You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75 two time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer. Hopefully, he is already off to a good start on his resolutions. The one, the only, Tony Casillas, TC. What up? Uh, I've done great. Happy New Year, partner. Glad to be back here in 2021. Um, you know, as far as resolutions, I try not to, I try not to just go cold turkey with things, but I am working on a couple of things. And, uh, you know, as I told you before we started our podcast, less anxiety and just uh, smile more considering, you know, what we've been through. I'm just going to kind of keep that frame of mind. Yeah. How about yeah. yourself? Any things that you, you know, have really aspired? Any resolutions? I mean, how do you, what do you usually do during the new year? Well, so um, this isn't necessarily a resolution, but I do want to hit the treadmill more, things like that. Uh, but those are more just lifestyle things. This is not. This is not a resolution that helps the world. This is really just something that helps RJ. And, you know, it's my resolution. Um, I love football. I, I mean, I love football more than anything in the world. Football has given me my life. Football has given you your life. Um, Wait a second. And- which which football do you like? Because right now, you, is, that a, <laughs> is that a Mexico national? Uh, yeah. This if you're, I, if you're watching this on YouTube, and I'll just give you the visual. That's, uh, <laughs> what team is that? This is, um, this is a T-shirt from the World Cup in 2018. It's oh, okay. supporting Mexico. I like it. I yeah, like I mean, it. obviously – support the United States, but also equally support at three. Uh, but I do love soccer. And that's all that's kind of what it is. Like, um, I when I'm not doing football related work, I'm generally thinking about football because right. I'm either listening to a football podcast mm-hmm. or watching a football show, or reading a football book or watching a football documentary. And I love all of those things. Um, but I want to read some non-football books. I want to read some some soccer books. I want to read some some Michael Jordan books. You know, some I have a list of things I want to watch. Some some shows. Again, these are not prosperous goals by any means, but I just want to make some time to you know have have a little bit of non-football in my life um, and enjoy that. Ultimately, while still making enough time for the game that we all love. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So we, my wife and I, we watched The Mandalorian. I know you've probably you're probably a big Star Wars guy, I would imagine, Tony. Um, not as much. As, <laughs> no, I like Star Wars, but even in my younger days, when the, even you know the inaugural, the first Star Wars, I just really wasn't my my deal. But you know, now I've seen it. I mean, I I think it's tremendous. I mean, the you know the franchise, but not not so not so not as much as probably you. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, um, so that's what I want to do. By the way, on the subject, I didn't want to forget of actual football documentaries. I don't know if you saw this. I haven't seen it yet, but I did record it. Um, ESPN did a documentary on Manti Teo and um, his the catfishing that happened. That that story feels like forever ago. 
I vividly remember that he was he was in the Heisman race when Johnny Menzel was. And obviously I was very, very keyed in on that. Um, that is maybe the wildest story that college sports has ever seen, I would say. You know what? It's so funny. I'm going to have to pull that picture out now that you mentioned it. I had actually met him at the, uh, the College Football Hall of Fame. He was there in New York where they have the – it's in December where they have the inductees. And uh, right. he actually was there, and I took a picture of him and I. And actually looked like my could be my son or my younger brother at the time. And, uh, and I just – that whole crazy craziness of that, with the catfish and the story right. made up and everything else. But, yeah, that's uh, – I, I, I did watch one last night. I don't know if oh. it was 30 for 30. But it was at a, it was a story about Alex Smith's comeback. Oh, that, that's a the E sixty or that's the E60, other. Yes. Yeah, right, right, right. I just caught about the last fifteen minutes of it, mm-hmm. and man, I tell you what, and considering what he's been through, man, the fact that he didn't lose his leg and he's playing, you know, in the NFL now is just an amazing story. So I highly recommend that. No, I agree. I watched that. Uh, we had Stefania Bell on uh, my mm-hmm. old radio show, and she she was a big part of kind of chronicling his journey. Obviously, ESPN's injury expert, um, and it's if you watch the whole thing, it's graphic, um, and they tell you that like you see photos oh, yeah. of, of his leg, like like I mean down to the bone. It is um, his story is incredible, and well, they referred to it as a military injury, right? Like a, a guy and he trained you know, with military by, people, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of the way they, you know, they reference his, his injury. I mean, it was just really, as you mentioned, it was graphic. And I, the fact that he's still walking and, and doesn't have a prosthetic, just watching how graphic that was, man, that's an amazing story, man. It really is. It really is. Um, there's a lot to root for when it comes to the Washington football team. In terms of people, obviously, you know, yeah. every Cowboys and their fan coach, Ron it. Rivera, is a right. tremendous story also. I do think, by the way, I don't want to take away from Ron Rivera. His story is remarkable, incredible person, and is clearly the right person to turn the culture of that organization Mm -hmm. around. But do you know how many teams since 2010 um, have won their division with a record below 500? Uh, I'm going to say zero. Three. Well, because Washington just did it. So, okay, that's one. I know there's – was it Seattle one year? Seattle did it. NFC West? Okay, yeah. that's two. And then they beat the Saints. That was the the Marshawn beast quake okay. and everything. Yeah. But the other one – Seems like it's been longer than that, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the other yeah. one was Ron Rivera's Carolina Panthers. They mm-hmm. won the NFC South with a 7-8-1 and one record. That's just inc- – like, Ron Rivera's a great coach, and I don't, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he has, you know, twice, you know, had the, had the fortune – of being in a division that they could win with a record below 500. Like, that's amazing that the same head coach has done it with two different teams. You just couldn't – you could never plan that. You know what I mean? That Like a division being that bad overall. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think – I think the NFC East is going to turn around. I think next year, I think it may be the, the polar opposite of this year. I think the teams will become better. I mean, I, I, I don't see it being worse than it is this year. But, I mean, Ron Rivera, just think about the whole story. And – I had saw something on Instagram and I post on Instagram of what he's done. He did, he was, he takes IVs at halftime before the right. game, had seven chemotherapy, you know, sessions and just the fact that they won NSEs. And then the fact that his quarterback, uh, Alex Smith, his story. So it's just been a, you know, it's just been kind of this, uh, this tell of comeback players, if you will, or coaches because of what the circumstance had been under. But, you know, NFC East is just something that's a tell this year that got, I mean, we're, you know, I heard him talking about this morning 
uh, I'm away at the gym about it could be a series on 30 for 30, the, the whole NFC East, along with the, you know, the, the whole NFL with the pandemic. I mean, it's just been a crazy year. No, it really has been. Um, it's nuts. I, I read last week leading up to the Washington game on Sunday Night Football, Ron Rivera had to adjust his, his own schedule because – I mean, because he obviously goes through everything he goes through, he gets tired. Just that's obviously very natural. So he had to, you know, it's a different thing for him to play at noon than it is to play on Sunday night football. So he talked about how he was going to have to try to find time at the stadium to take a nap and, and just kind of rest. And um, it really is amazing that with all well, these yeah, things going on, he's playing football. It is, RJ. And think about that. I mean, if you've ever been around anybody that's had to go through that crap, you know, my wife was a, is a cancer survivor and I, I just – and not to take anything away from her. I mean, she went through it, and it's just very rigorous. But, I mean, think about the energy that you have to do is be a, right. a coach, to stand on the sidelines and go through all that. But um, I mean, it's just uh, – it's been crazy. And the fact that, you know, that he's able to turn it around and and they cut their franchise quarterback. I mean, future franchise <laughs> quarterback that didn't work out. And this guy, Alex Smith, comes back with – plays on one leg. And, you know, I don't know what the hell – the the Eagles are thinking about Doug Peterson, but he'll end up winning the NFC. It's an amazing story. So actually, and we haven't gotten to the Cowboys yet. We will. Uh, but obviously these are topics of fascination. What was your take on, on the code red from Doug Peterson and the Eagles? <laughs> um, because there are really, there are three overall schools of thought here, Tony. There's the, I don't care, do what you want to do. You gave the Cowboys the 10th pick instead of the 11th pick. Cool. Um, there's also the, whatever the guy's tanking i get it i you know i i you know that's fine then there's the old man you know and if, if you feel this way i don't mean old man but there's the get off my lawn no football is about competition it's about team pride you play to win the game so so where do you fall which one is you i don't know what his, his thinking was i at first i thought that maybe he wanted to get his ass fired because <laughs> some of the decisions he made and pulled jalen hurts and and I think that he said that he'd already had this plan that he was going to, you know, go with a different quarterback. And, man, I didn't even know that guy was on the roster. And then what happened? I mean, it's just almost like he gave it away. It's almost like he just put it right in the New York Giants' face, you know? Yeah. Um, because I, you have Jalen Hurts as a rookie quarterback. He needs as many snaps as he, he, he can get. And he didn't play very well. Right. And I understand that. And, and, and he – but I think that he should have let him play through all that, right? Because he's a rookie quarterback, and who knows what's going to happen next year with the whole Carson Wentz drama and everything right. else. But I just felt like he just put all his cards on the table and said, man, I surrender, you know, and just, uh, you know, I fold. Because I just couldn't understand his philosophy of that. Had he said that before the game, which he doesn't have to tell people publicly, that, right. hey, this is what we're going to do in the third quarter. And Jalen Hurts, we're going to give, you know, we're going to do some evaluating. But, man, I don't know. That whole quirkiness of him this year with that team and what they're underachieving is just really mysteri mysterious. I think um, – so had the Eagles won, obviously the Giants would have won the division, but had the Eagles won, they would have had the ninth overall pick, I believe, in the draft. But by losing, they have the sixth overall pick. So, I, I mean, I think that's that's what he did. He wanted the sixth overall pick instead of the ninth overall pick. Maybe you're right. Maybe Maybe his thinking was – well, okay, best-case scenario, we, we move up three spots. Worst-case scenario, I'm fired, and I'm freed from this. Um, so maybe he just reached a point of indifference. Um, a lot of people have pointed out in the time since the game, if you go look at the classic Jimmy Johnson trade chart, 
um, the, the, the move kind of netted them a third round mm -hmm. pick. Like that was the difference. And so, yeah. so ultimately maybe that's the value, um, you get, but, um, the other take that's percolating, Tony, and this is certainly relevant to the Cowboys because it will be fascinating to watch the Eagles over the offseason. Uh, there was a report on Monday night from the Inquirer in Philadelphia, um, not the National Enquirer, uh, <laughs> but um, isn't everything coming out of Philadelphia part yeah, of the National Enquirer? That's a great point. Uh, but um, but but that Eagles players were pissed um, that they were bothered because they want to win again. All the stuff, all the normal cliches, and so. Put yourself there. Like, would would you, as a player in the NFL, have have understood? Okay, he's trying to get a, a top draft pick. Or would you have been pissed and said, "Dude, we could have beat these guys, and and you pulled the rug out from under us." Well, you know what? They were into the game, and I think that they wanted to continue to play and play through it. I mean, to that point, you know, where Jalen Hurts. I mean, he again, it wasn't his best performance. The ball he threw up in the air, I, I just it's like throwing a high fly ball to center field to the Washington Football Club. Right. And I'm like, that was not a very good throw. But I think there's not – the communication part of it, that's the problem, I think, with players because they just want to know. Right. And if, you're, if your coach is going to like, okay, you know, just, just fold and like, okay, we're going to bring in a different guy and we're not going to try to win the game, it, that really doesn't resonate very well with the players. And it happens. I mean, there's some certain instances I could go in and, and use the examples. But I think that's the problem with it. I and. I don't know what ultimately that's going to do for Doug Peterson's credibility with this team right. because it wasn't something, look, guys, hey, look, you know, I'm going to at halftime, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to try to evaluate, uh, you know, different players. Had the game been out of reach, I can understand. Right. If they're down by 14, and I, I can understand. It's like, hey, let's, let's get some guys some opportunity to play. I mean, what is their gain? Their gain is that they're not, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. Right. But at least you can evaluate, you can validate that, and you don't have to explain that to the media, and you don't have to go in the locker room and look at your players and explain it to them. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, and we'll get to the Cowboys after this. When I was in high school, um, I had a job at Office Depot, just like general part-time job, and there was I, I mentioned I love football. There was a Monday night, and I'll never forget the Cincinnati Bengals were visiting the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, and. Um, and so I, uh, I think I've told this story before on, on one of our shows, but uh, my boss called me like and said, hey, you know, so-and-so couldn't come in. Can you come into work? And I didn't want to go work because I wanted to watch Monday Night Football. And so I mean, like, I couldn't think of anything else in the moment. So I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I've got to go with my mom to a baby shower. Like, that was what I said. <laughs> and, and so when I, you know, I hung up and my mom comes in, she goes, oh, who called you? I said, work, whatever. She said, well, they want I, And I said, they wanted me to go in. I kind of told her the story. And she said, you told them what? And I said, yeah. And, and so, you know, she just like reams me out. Like, you know, you shouldn't lie. You should have gone to work, whatever. And then she finally says, if you're going to lie, come up with a good lie. <laughs> like, and so like, it reminds me of that. Like, okay, Doug, if, if you want to throw this game, Throw it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Don't don't get close enough to where you're kind of in contention only to, you know, because then then it becomes really obvious, you know. And, anyway. and if I'm your boss, I'm thinking, ah, that's BS. Yeah. I mean, was, go uh, ahead and you can do what you want. But, you know, to your point, your mom's point, man, that is a that's a classic right there. It was a good time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so before we talk about kind of the the sort of autopsy of the 2020 Cowboys season, um, on Saturday night, by the way, uh, congratulations to Ohio State 
and uh, to Alabama for uh, their incredible performances. It will be awesome to watch the national championship next week. But while all of that's going on, the world of college football is on a high because we've gotten to see the, the playoff. It's reported, Tony, that Kellen Moore isn't going anywhere that he is not going to go take the Boise State job, that he's going to stay the Cowboys offensive coordinator. ESPN added that it is for three years. Um, a bit of a shocker, a bit of an upset. And everybody kind of just accepted that, like, cool, this, this was unpredictable. We all thought he was going back to Boise, whatever. And then your boy, Troy Aikman, during the game, the Cowboys game on Sunday, he tells a story with Joe Buck about how he thought this was really interesting because his understanding was Kellen had taken the Boise job. And so now everybody's thinking like, whoa, what the hell? Kellen took the Boise job. Uh, you and I, Tony and I are talking Tuesday morning, a little bit before 10 a.m. Central time. And uh, Troy, every Tuesday is on the ticket in DFW. And so he was on the ticket on Tuesday morning, um, obviously was asked about this. And he said that what he was told, what he understood was Kellen took the job. It was offered. He accepted it. And then it was his understanding that the university was not as committed to the football program as he would have liked. So he backed out. Troy apparently added on the ticket that this is a good sign. Um, if you are a fan of Kellen Moore, that, that he would say, you know what? I love Boise, but if you're not going to be all in, I don't want to be all in. So again, it is a good thing, but this is a really, I don't know, weird, confusing, fascinating story. Well, I think as a head coach at, at a university, you got to be committed to it. I, I think that just the, the job itself is, has so many things that you have to be all in and you got to have support from the university and Boise State, you know, look, I, whether you're alum there, whatever your background is, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a place you got to sell and you want to make sure that you have all the means to do it. I just thought I kind of find it intriguing because when I look at the whole Jason Garrett scenario, when he was, right. you know, when he, he, they extended his contracts when Wade Phillips was the, was the head coach, they really didn't want Jason to leave. You know, I think that that was Jerry's boy and, you know, wanted to continue and gave him an extension. And at that point, I think he was one of the highest paid offensive coordinators in the NFL. I think he was assistant head coach. And people are like, hmm, that's interesting. And he was, uh, to be clear, he was offered NFL head coach. He was, I think it was Atlanta Falcons job. And, and, a couple and other, the Baltimore Ravens job. Yeah, there's a couple of jobs he interviewed and they swayed him away from, you know, stay, you know to stay in Dallas. And lo and behold, we saw what happened that. So, I, I don't know with Kellen Moore. I think he's. Uh, I think he's done, he did a, a nice job this year, considering some of the things. But you know, you look at the play calling in the game versus the uh, you know you know last weekend against the Giants, and you're kind of scratching your head some calls. But I just uh, I think it just has smells a little bit of Jerry wanting to stay here and maybe seeing what happens in three years if. You know, this is a heir apparent to the same situation, so to speak, that it was with Jason Garrett and Wade Phillips. Or uh, is it Kellen Moore saying, you know, I don't really want to get into that regimen of being a head coach and right. recruiting and all the stuff that goes along with that. I like how I am here. And I think he's right. There is some upside here uh, next year in the future with the Cowboys. I do think it's a combination of all of that. Um, I think, you know, because it is a different thing to be a head coach at, at the collegiate level. I think Kellen would have a lot of success at it. I think it's just it's so hard to your point to not not see not connect all of the dots uh, because it is. I mean, you're, Kellen and Jason were both backup quarterbacks for the Cowboys who both wore number 17. So many uh, similarities. <laughs> yeah. And and the, o the only difference is this was not Kellen's first year as mm -hmm. the team's offensive coordinator that all those offers for Garrett came after his first year in 2007. Right. But 
Um, Jerry did pay them both and he paid them both after their first year working with the team's new head mm-hmm. coach, Jason with Wade at the time. And now uh, kind of with Mike McCarthy, the even more kind of like just wonky thing is, you know, obviously Wade Phillips was fired and Jason Garrett took that job. And we're thinking that Kellen Moore could, could kind of follow that path for Mike McCarthy. Wade Phillips was fired after the Cowboys lost to Mike McCarthy's Green Bay Packers. Like the, yeah, just ironically, all, all, this is like a, <laughs> like, you know, like your favorite, like this is like a, an episode of Chicago hope and all the mm-hmm. doctors that you've seen from every episode are coming together. But um, my, my last question before we get into the Cowboys again, uh, where did you watch the Fiesta Bowl when Boise took down Oklahoma? Oh God, you got to <laughs> ask that question. That was the, uh, the trick, the trickery. Game, yeah. The Statue it? of Liberty play. Yeah. yeah. Every Every trick play in the book worked against us. You had to bring that out. Thanks, my brother. Is that, yeah. Was that that, the, was, I think that was a game with the guy, the player proposed. Uh, yeah, right after the I don't remember who it was, like, what, what announcer was there with him, but he, he even kind of, like, gave it away. He was like, are you going to propose, like, right then when he was – it was – that is one of the greatest – Oh, my God. That was great. I I had to give take my hat off to him because every, every trick you play in the book, man, they mastered it against uh, – Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember. I, I know I was really pissed off about it. Uh, I mean, you had to bring that up, but uh, you know, I, that was that was a tremendous game. I mean, that was amazing what they were able to do. But to, uh, to put in perspective, because I know we have a lot of younger listeners, that was the I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Tony. That was Adrian Peterson's last game with the. Sooners I think it was before yeah, he I got think drafted. It was. And that was 2000. That yeah, was that was January of 07. 07, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah so that's uh, been a long time ago. And and uh, but I, you know what? That's what they had to do. I mean, that was Boise State. Right. And look, you're Kellen Moore. You know, when you look at that job, I mean, you're not going to go out and get. I mean, they've had a they were you know Chris Peterson was amazing. Right. He did a tremendous job of that program, but you just don't really have the tools that you you're going to. have have a lot of resources and a lot of tools to sway people to come to Boise, Idaho and play on that blue green field, which you look at it, I'd still this point, I believe they still have that blue green field. It's been so long, but you're talking about just, you know, your eyes being on having to be able to adjust after you watch that for, you know, a certain period of time. I mean, it's just really just crazy that they have something like that, but it I'm is. Glad he's, I'm glad he decided to stay. I think that, you know, Kellen Moore, he's a young dude. Um, he's going to get it. He stays another year in Dallas. I think he's going to have the opportunity for other jobs to come up. Sure. Um, so I think this really helps him his resume. And so I don't think that uh, – I think he may get a better job than Boise State. Uh, so I just think if he waits patiently, maybe that will happen. And maybe he will be the next head coach in Dallas. Who knows? Yeah, I actually think that's a great point because yeah. I, I think he will get a – even if it's a collegiate job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that it's hard for him to maybe turn down that job of all jobs, just given his his own life. Um, but but he, bet, bigger and better things, no disrespect to Boise, um, are on the horizon for Kellen Moore. Um, Tony, I don't know that we have to spend a lot of time talking about the game uh, that the Cowboys played just because they lost, the season's over. Now the season's over, uh, and everybody's pissed, everybody's angry, uh, the Cowboys can – start negotiating with Dak Prescott if they want. It remains to be seen what that, you know, is going to yield. Um, I do want to ask you, I wrote about this, um, you know, almost a thousand words, which anytime mm-hmm. I do that, I clearly am, am in a mood um, about Jalen Smith. And my, my, we've talked a lot about Jalen here. And 
I don't like to ever hop on a podcast or a show or anything and say, this person should be cut. This person should be fired. That's not a fun thing to say. Uh, I don't ever want to wish those things on people. Um, I do believe, though, Tony, that how the Cowboys handled Jalen will tell us a lot about how serious they are because Jalen is a high-paid, you know, highly elevated player on their team. They lift him up, and here he is. I mean, again, I hate to be so critical and so openly critical, but this dude is embarrassing them. I mean, he multiple times celebrated things that went against his team. Like, you know, that didn't happen one time, and he said, oh, crap, this is so embarrassing. I was celebrating something wrong. He, he actually experienced that, and then less than an hour later in real time said, let me do it again. <laughs> like, you know, it just – there is a disconnect. And people, people want to say – I'm actually, I'll ask you. People are like, well, you know, RJ, he's second in the NFL in tackles or whatever. Does that mean anything to you if a linebacker is, is near the top of the league in tackles? Because – to me, guy who didn't play football, it's impressive, surely. I'm not trying to say it's, it's peanuts, but it's, it's, it's not a whole lot to me that Jalen has a whole lot of tackles to his name. Well, I mean, when you watch a film, I think it's very easy to just uh, focus on him and isolate him. And I do it. I did it in the last game. And there's just some things that just really gets under my skin that he does. And I just think of that as a player that's on his team. Um, because it always been there's certain guys in your team that do, does stuff and they're like they don't validate it they, right they don't prove themselves and you know they're the first guy you know to you know raw raw guy and, and and just you know really just get under your skin because you well, dude what do you what do you done and the point about the tackles I, I watch him play and and I made this point before and I really do, I, I don't like to pick on a player but it's just so easy and blatant that what, the things that he does. And he doesn't get upfield. He doesn't scrape off blocks. He doesn't blow people up. He's just trying to run around blocks and be part of a tackle. And it's almost like he wants to tag the guy so he can be able to celebrate. And the, the thing that really got me is the PI, the pass interference. Oh. And I'm like, Jalen, you're all over the guy and you're <laughs> celebrating. I'm like, what are you thinking? It's almost like he loses his football mind. I'm sure he's a smart dude. But when he gets on the field, man, he used to have a guy that I used to play, used to call him Lumpy. And he, he's a smart guy, but off the field, he would just he'd hit everyone, including yourself. And the reason why we called him Lumpy because he used to hurt us because he would hit us instead of the guy that had the ball. So, so to the point about Jalen, it's just I think that they need to look at really just the heart and soul of what he has brought to this team. And it's like – and this is nitpicking, RJ. And you, I'm sure you noticed that he's the first guy to go down the end zone and like always, celebrate. Always. I'm like – why? What are you celebrating? It's so, so much. It's so obvious. And look, I, again, I don't know him personally. I don't not I'm obviously not his teammate. But there's some things that he does that he needs to he needs to be humbled as far as his, the, the actions and how he plays. And I just at times, I mean, you need a guy, especially at that position, to blow things up. I mean, blowing you know, guy. It's not going to be a perfect world, right? But. He blows other things up that are not essential to what the play is. And to me, that is the issue with Jalen Smith's play. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And that's and if I, you're making – and also, and let me interrupt you, if you're making a field 10 yards down the field, 
I mean, good for you, but look, you know, look at the yardage they just got. I mean, that, to me, that's uh, that's the issue. No, I agree with you, and that's that's the thing. Like, that's why I think Jalen is kind of a microcosm for a lot of the problems with the Cowboys as a whole. He's a brand. He's, you know, more concerned to your point. Donovan Wilson gets an interception. Jalen's first thought is, all right, dude, let's go to the end zone so we can look in the camera. We can both celebrate. <laughs> I've never be... seen a guy like the leader of that. That's man. what I'm saying. He and... must be the de- he... – so he's a captain of that. You talked about him wanting to be a captain? Yeah. He's a captain of the end zone camp, right? He's he's the perfect uh, – again, I <laughs> look – my my fight in Texas Aggies, Orange Bowl champions, by the hey, way. Oh, by the way, congratulations! You. But, How about your boy Jimbo Fisher, man? I think yeah. you can. He still got it. Hey, Pull a hamstring, I'm, but he did not. He I did not want to get the uh, Gatorade shower. I was talking. <laughs> I don't want to get way off topic here. I, it's okay. I, I was talking with some of my buddies. Um, I actually kind of hated that a little bit because, like, okay, like at first it would be like, okay, coach, you don't want to get Gatorade, ha ha. But then at a certain point, it's like, dude just let them throw the Gatorade on you. Like, you know, and I could understand if for whatever reason, hypothetically, they played that game in like, you know, Pennsylvania and it was really cold, but Jimbo, bro, yeah. you're, this is the orange ball. Like it's, this should feel awesome for you, but it was really funny. Well, and he wanted to say, I guess he made the point that, look, I want to wait till better. We, we accomplish sure, better sure, things, sure. but A&M, we got to face Let's face it. It's been a while since they've been the orange ball and they always celebrate something like that. But I understand that. Right. But no. I thought it was just funny. The old dude, man, he was, he was not. He was moving. Um, (laughs) Well, I tell you what, Jalen couldn't catch Jimbo Fisher. Um, But so, like, good downfield. So, as as much as I love my fighting Texas Aggies, we would have met the same fate that Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Not not going to say anything other than that. But that, like, Notre Dame is the perfect representation of Jalen Smith too, right? Like this this you know hype and and pounding of their chest just to go get smoked by real competition. You know what I mean? No, he's like, also though. I think that he needs to get it to, in his head that he's not. He's, he's not it. good. He's not. Well, well, the fact that he thinks that he, you know, look, you've been in the league two, two years, three. What well, was his fourth year? This is his third, like, or fourth full year because sixteen well, yeah. he was hurt, and then seventeen was kind of the walk back year, and then eighteen he really had the awesome season. But so. I think it needs to, you know, met, resonate with him that he's in the league and he's a veteran. He and he's being paid to play and. And I think, again, it's just this manic reactions that he has sometimes. And I mean, they show like the memes of the, I don't know what the, when he got in the guy's face. And oh. just, I, I, you know, as you watch me, I, I can't even emulate that. He was just doing something. But think about this. To get back to the point about the Dallas Cowboys and Dan Smith, the stupid penalties they had in that game. I mean, the play after we were who I'm trying to think of which defensive back was head Butsy. Jordan Lewis. The, Jordan Lewis. Yeah, Jordan Lewis. Headbutts a tight end. I'm like, that is inexplicable. What are you talking about? Dumbass football, man. I'm sorry. See, I don't want to put everything on Jalen. That's I'm not, I don't want to be the guy that's just like Jalen, Jalen, Jalen. There's a lot of problems. But if I'm Jordan or I'm whoever, I mean, you tell me if if your supposed defensive captain, defensive leader is out here acting the way Jalen does, things are hardly organized. You know, and th- that's why Jalen is such a problem to me because that that thing spreads you know what i mean like i think there's just too many individuals i think guys just think about themselves i think they don't think about the whole the whole scheme of things i think that you know when you play smart football i mean it's a it's a you know it's it's a result of all these players understanding what needs to be done to win and realizing that look we're not that good 
we got to make play mistake-free football. And if we continue to self-inflict ourselves at dumbass, you know, penalties, then this is going to be a result of it and take some accountability for it. Yeah, I think that that's, um, that's the problem is that, you know, like I, I can only speak for myself. There have been times where like I've made a mistake and whatever, and I have refused to acknowledge the mistake, right? Like you, you start making excuses, right? Like, no, it's not that it's, it's this, you know, it's whatever it's, it's the weather, you know, whatever. And they, they, that, they hasn't, ha- that hasn't happened to you in, in your <laughs> wife's relationship. No, I'm, never. I'm, I'm always, fella, I can give I'm, you some uh, tips on that. I've, I've ne- all, never made a mistake. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and, but like what you just said, they're not good. I, I truly believe that they have refused to accept that, right? Like, it's never a matter of we're not good. It's always a matter of, and some of these things are fair, the pandemic, the injuries, you know, the new scheme. It's, you know, no, you guys, you have talent. And, and they do have talent. But it's never that level of true and absolute accountability is never reached. And that's why, again, I think that, like, if, if this idea was a book, Jalen's picture would be on the cover of the book. You know, like he represents that. Well, here's what I do know about this year. I know that offensively, I I think there's some optimism here. You look at their offense. They didn't have Dak Prescott. They lost their quarterback, the offensive line. I mean, there's some things there to think, okay, yeah, I mean, we'll be better next year. And but defensively, it's hard to explain. It's hard to validate the reason why they're not as they're they're worse and the worst defense in the national football league right and i get it i, I the scheme on it but you got to have some a strong point a category in, in your football team uh, defensively i think if all that stuff happened this year and you before the season started you're like okay our defense is going to carry us somewhat and it, it, it didn't do it i mean they they did not they did not try to you know, the, they, they, they compromise the offense as opposed to the offense compromising the, the defensive side because of what happened injury-wise. And to me, that is the big issue. And I'll sit here and give them all the excuses in the world, RJ, right. just like you. The pandemic, you know, not having enough time. But a lot right. of teams in the National Football League experience the same thing. Right. And you got the so-called playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. That's what they're going to have to address. The um... – I think the clubhouse leader for the most annoying thing, uh, and this has happened for a while, yeah, but people it's, hate Jalen, man. <laughs> um, again, I, and, and I, this is the last thing I'll say. He, he is by all measurements, an incredible person. I, I think I've said this before and I, I make it a point to say it every time because it is important. The fact that you and I are able to sit here and bitch about him is an amazing testament to his own internal will and drive. That the fact that he overcame what he did, I mean, he deserves all of the praise in the world for that. And he is the team's nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award, which is not, you know, a small thing either. He is clearly, he, he is a very, you know, very, very kind and very giving person by all respects. But <laughs> you have to be humbled. I Sometimes when you're a player, I think when I when I knew I wasn't playing very good, you know, I was like, okay, I need to humble myself. I need to be accountable to my teammates. And, you know, if I'm the problem, and maybe he doesn't think he's a problem, and, and collectively there's a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, you know, the, the front forward, you know, how they're playing and just, you know, this type of defense maybe not cater to his style of play. I mean, he's a guy that likes to run everywhere, you know. And to me, just too, he's not disciplined enough and patient enough to play in this defense. 
And if that doesn't fit his style of play, then, you know, it's a Cowboys got to ask their question. Are we going to move on to someone else to understand that Sean Lee's going to retire? Leighton Vanderess are going to have to find another, you know, he's going to be back, I would think, hopefully, but he's had injury problems. So, you know, I think that that's where you're going to have to really look, you know, the heart and soul of this defense. And that's where you're going to have to start. You're going to start right there in the middle of the defense. It does seem like Sean could retire and like Tyrone Crawford is, is going to, you know, and that's, again, that's another point of frustration, like not to bag on Tyrone Crawford, but the Cowboys have held on way too long there. And again, he is somebody who's beloved in the locker room and that's an important thing. Um, but the, the only, the Cowboys have needed to move on with Tyron from Tyron Crawford for a long time now. And the only reason they are maybe going to is because Tyron's going to be the one that says, okay, I've had enough. And it, it shouldn't be that way. It should be you deciding, you know what, we've had enough. Um, but so I was saying that the most annoying thing in the world is, is, and is con- going to continue to be the idea. Jerry Jones is on the radio on Tuesday morning. I want to fit to the fans saying, yeah, well, every dollar we pay Dak Prescott is, is $1 less that we can pay on the defensive side of the ball. I saw a tweet from oh, um, a, a great account, a uh, great buddy, CA underscore Shelton on Twitter. And it's like, okay, you need all that money in t- to go pay Daryl Worley, to, to go pay HaHa Clinton Dix, mm-hmm. to go play, uh, pay Don Terry Poe. And that's just this year. Like, I mean, think about the guys they've paid on that side of the ball in recent memory. Um, you know, Cedric Thornton, um, you know, uh, I mean, I, Henry, Henry, Henry Melton. Yeah. I mean, it's they're not, you know, if if we were sitting here and and Tyron Matthew was a cowboy because they had gone and paid him a couple of years ago, like they should have. If mm-hmm. if whoever, you know, I don't know if if Earl Thomas and, and the, there was no drama, but if they had spent that money, then I would sit here and say, you know what? You have shown that you are clearly willing to spend money on the defensive side of the ball. But why why should anybody be on your side about like penny pinching on Dak when you continue to just bargain hunt when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And when you bargain hunt, you get bargain results like they have. Yeah, I, I think that that's been – yeah, that's a good point. When you look at the personnel on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, they paid him a lot of money. I mean, I'll give him – he had that great year. Um, and I think they – and we talk this all about this all the time on our show, that they want superhuman results from him. Inside, defensively, I still think it's hard. You know, you need to find you really some good a good defensive tackle, a cornerstone. Right. I think a cornerstone of your defense has got to be inside. And those dudes are hard to find. And But I, I think that, the, you know, the back end, when you look at the collectively on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, there's you have to find a safety. you got to find someone that's consistently can help you around, come up around the line. I mean, Jamal Adams, it's hard to find those dudes. Right. But you got to go on and search every, under every rock, every nook and cranny about what you need to be able to find, evaluate that. You can't, the mentality that you're going to spend less on defense and sell, you know, you know the, sec, the, the sexiness of the offense, that's always been the, the mantra with this team. I mean, as far as what they're – and I understand that. Right. But defensively, if you're that bad, Mike Nolan, is he coming back? Are they going to have a different philosophy than they did this year? Was that the problem? I mean, that's there's a lot of things they got to ask themselves. I agree. I mean, the the reality, too, is it – and I don't want to just be dramatic, but it's hard to find a home run that they have hit on the defensive side of the ball, whether by free agency, which there are none, 
or or investing via the draft, which, I mean, Leighton Vander Esch obviously had an incredible rookie season, but has battled injury issues, and that was something that people knew about him coming out. The reason, I would say the reason, but part of the reason why he was available to them was, was because of that concern. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's their thing. They bargain hunt in every way. Demarcus Lawrence, I know you've certainly said things about him, not, not to make that negative, but um, the reason he fell in 2014 was he had issues at Boise State. I mean, Randy Gregory, the reason he fell is, is very well chronicled. The, the biggest defensive free agent they've gone after in the last now six years is Greg Hardy. I mean, just from a football standpoint. And mm-hmm. obviously he was available for, you know, certain reasons. I mean, they just do not, you know, you ever like, you ever like, you know how it's like when it's your birthday, you know, your wife, your family say, Tony, it's your birthday. We're going to go wherever you want. You get to order what you want. Don't worry about it. It's, it's your birthday. It's Tony's day. And you go and you go get your happy meal and it's Tony's time and you enjoy it. They never, ever do that. You know, it's always like, well, you know, this one's a little scuffed up. This one's a little ding, this one, whatever we can, we can get this. And we're, we're actually getting a great deal here. No, go pay a plus price for a plus product. Yeah, I think that you have to. And look, when I go out to dinner and I get the choice and, and maybe I have, I'll say, that's okay. Maybe we'll, we'll go to, you know, maybe a four-star restaurant instead of a five. I don't know. But I think you have to have those four-star players on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, you have to have something to build on. I, and, and, and again, I think that they, the, the luck of, you know, the injuries and everything that goes along with that, you know, the guys that, you know, how do they end up, you know, how do they end up uh, living up to the expectation of what they're supposed to do when you, when you pay them the big money. Um, but, you know, defensively, that's the thing that they're really going to have to get better at. I mean, for this team to move forward, look, as I said before, uh, it was a, it was a category. It was a, that top side of the ball that could have carried the offense and they failed to do that. They really underachieved in my eye. We will um, obviously continue to dissect the Cowboys over the course of the offseason. Tony and I aren't going anywhere. We'll be here every Tuesday. Don't worry about it. Um, I have two final things, Tony, before we get out of here today quickly. Um, the first, it was reported on Monday night that the Los Angeles Chargers, who fired Anthony Lynn, um, requested to interview Jason Garrett. I saw that. To yep. be their head coach. <laughs> um, look, Jason Garrett is a fine person. One of the best people. Um, He was the offensive coordinator for what was literally one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I just, you've heard people say like, there's a lot of ideas in the NFL that it's kind of a a who, you know, business. And this, this, this kind of screams that, I mean, I'm not not trying to say Jason Garrett is like, has no pros. He he can build a culture and and there's, there's that argument. Uh, But, the to why what I mean, you know I, again i'm not trying to be rude but there is no objective data to support this move in in this moment in time well i think that as you just mentioned it's a good old boy league it's a fraternity once you're in the frat, the frat you know as a part of the fraternity a pledged brother man you're you know you're <laughs> you know, i mean that's that's kind of the commitment that you get around the league is that fair um maybe not but I, I think that Jason Garrett will be a head coach somewhere this, the, in 2021. I don't think that – I think the value that a lot of people put on him in the NFL, a lot of people, general managers, uh, owners, have a lot of respect for him. And he'll, he'll get another head coaching job. I mean, like it, lo- like it or not, he is going to be a – true or false, Jason Garrett will have a head coaching job in 2021 in the NFL.
Um, I'm going to say begrudgingly, but I, I'm going to say false. Um, okay. uh, but, but because I think there are too many hot names, honestly, mm-hmm. I think you've got your Eric B and your Brian Dables and, um, whether Urban Meyer does a good a job, I mean, remains to be seen. What's $12 million a year that's supposedly to coach yeah. in the NFL. Um, so I just, I don't think that Garrett, I think it's certainly possible that, you know, he sells his culture. He has the interview. He, I, I would imagine he's an incredible interview. And so, yeah, he's sharp. Man. You know, he really is. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, Tony, the Cowboys do visit the Chargers in 2021. So um, look out for that. Well, so far, game. he's one and zero against the Cowboys. He's he's one and not one. the head coach, but offensively. Yeah. They, lo- they lost earlier in the year. So he's he's even. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. I forgot uh, about that. I, I, I forgot. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, but so the last thing. Tony and Tony and I will talk about the results of the playoffs, obviously, as, as we go through the Super Bowl. Who are you rooting for to win the Super Bowl, by the way? Man, I tell you, uh, I it's a it's a great question. I uh I'd like to see the whole story of Tampa Bay. I, I'd like to see Tampa Bay and Buffalo. I I mean, I'm not to me that would be you know, uh, the Josh Allen, the Buffalo, they're a tremendous yeah. team. Um I and you know, but I think I like Green Bay. Maybe Green Bay versus you know Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game would be a lot of uh, that'd be a lot of great story. But uh, I definitely want to see the Bills back in the uh, back in the Super Bowl. I'd like, I, like to see that. I agree. I I don't I don't particularly feel any love for the Buccaneers. I think the best Super Bowl would be Bills Packers. Obviously, getting the Chiefs yeah. in there would be awesome too. I, yeah, um, exactly. But but like if I have to if I had to put all my eggs in one basket, it's Buffalo's. Uh, I'm curious. Do you do you feel like a special you know joy for the Bills given that you you beat them in the Super Bowl? We you got two rings. Yeah, like, you know what? I I I, I kind of uh, I sorta. Like, it, like it's like so it's easier to like quote unquote. Yeah, like because they haven't them. they haven't they haven't been in the Super Bowl kind of like the Cowboys in so long, but they haven't been in the playoffs. And I think it's you know with the Jim Kelly, just the whole his uh, you know his background and what he went through, and to see them relevant. And you know, I really like this job. I like their team, man. I think that they've done a, you know they've done a tremendous job of putting that team together. Uh, I think Josh Allen, man, he's a he's going to be a quarterback of the future, and and, and just the way they take care of, them. you know what? And then people and they, and they made a point about watching them play. They just look like they're having fun, RJ. Right. And and, and that's what this, the game's supposed to be: have fun. And when you're winning and things are going well, just enjoy it, man. I couldn't agree more. I love everything about it. I love how Josh Allen has like embraced the the city and the culture of Buffalo, yeah. the like underdog mentality. I totally love all that. Um, some people are, are Stephon Diggs is just having, oh yeah I mean the dude is you know from him to come from Minnesota and and the whole I don't know what him being a problem child there to now just just lighting setting all kinds of franchise records I mean that's an amazing story totally agreed some Cowboys fans Tony are rooting for the Ravens uh, to see Des Bryant get a ring so we'll see about that uh, but the last thing I want to say before we get out of here I do think it's um, it's important just to the NFL um, and by the time people are listening to this there will probably be more information out but while we've been recording Tony uh, it was announced that the Cleveland Browns who have been dealing with COVID issues for a few weeks now obviously uh, they lost all their receivers against the New York Jets a couple of weeks ago um, they were informed, the Browns tweeted out, that head coach Kevin Stefanski and two additional members of the coaching staff and two players have all tested positive for COVID-19. 
So the Cleveland Browns made the playoffs for the first time in a billion years and are going to have to play that game, uh, which is incidentally against their division rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, without their head coach. Um, that's crazy. I, that's, uh, you know, and that's the thing about this whole season. Uh, I, just, I think that, and, and just not get off track, but I mean, I think everyone needs to get the vaccine. I mean, they need to fast track this, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's a crapshoot now. Yeah. I mean, and, and you lose one of your, let's say you lose Baker Mayfield or one of your key players. I mean, that is very profound. I mean, that's very hard to overcome. No, I mean, um, I, you know, you can talk about like titles with an asterisk and things like that, but, uh, but I, I mean, Browns fans will rightly say forever, you know, if, if they don't win this game, that, you know, they didn't, I mean, think about it. The, the Browns have been out of the playoffs for like almost two decades. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the people most squarely responsible for that turnaround and a, a lot of the turnaround happened before Kevin Stefanski arrived from but a no, roster standpoint. Right, he, right. As you mentioned, he's a, he's a, the prime reason right. why he put and, everything together. And so like, you have to play, this is mm -hmm. literally the most, yeah. uh, this is arguably the most important game for the Browns since their return to the NFL. Like honestly, yeah. And to have to play, I've just, man, I mean, it's freaking right. COVID, man. Yeah, it is, just go away. It I'm is the so trials and tribulations yeah. of this season. So yeah. uh, we'll certainly be watching that story, but just wanted to slip that in. Uh, Tony, hey, the Cowboys season's over, but we get a chance to talk about them every week, and it's hard to be upset about that. Appreciate you. Have the you know time of my life doing this, and uh, Tony and I aren't going anywhere, everybody. So uh, we will see you next week. Enjoy the playoffs. Hopefully our Bills, they represent the 750, <laughs> uh, managed to have an impressive performance against Matt Eberflus. That'll be a fun match. That's maybe the game of the week, uh, Colts Bills, and, and, honestly. And speaking of him, uh, his name needs to come up as a potential head coach. Oh, he's already been linked. He's got yeah. multiple. Dude, Matt Eberflus yeah. is a busy man I right forgot. Now. He's a good dude, man. He's you a lot of fun. about college coach or even an NFL coach. I mean, that guy is the real deal. I'm excited to see. And he's that. a good golfer, too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Played a few rounds with Matt. He's a good, tremendous man. What's, what's his strength? Like, he good around the greens or, like, good off the tee? Or? Um, he's pretty consistent. I, I think he's got a good short game. Look at that. Coach Eberflus. Well, he's still got some of you. I think I still got Matt, some of Matty's money, but he's a great guy. Look at that. Well, put it on the Colts <laughs> then this Sunday or Saturday. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Everybody, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. This was the 750. <laughs>